I wanted to uh, show you some family pictures. These are my fathers. We're speaking of uh, father today. Um, my two grandfathers are in the upper row. Uh, the left was James Connor. Um, I obviously knew him. That's me on that bike. I rode to school both ways, 10 miles. No. no. Um, and uh, the upper right corner is my other grandfather, Reinhard Covey. I didn't know him, never met him. He was dead long before I was thought about. And then, of course, that's my dad helping me feed the bears in Yellowstone. Um, and I picked that picture of my dad because that sort of epitomizes my dad. Uh, he loved to live outside the box. Um, the parents in the upper right corner of my mom would not allow her to marry him, so they had to elope because my dad lived outside the box. Um, <clears throat> I, I showed you all of that because I realized that who I am today is greatly affected by those three men. Even the one who I never met and was gone before I was born. Through my mom, still, he affected who I am. Our fathers affect us. That's true for all of us. Whether they're still alive today or not, maybe in the case of grandparents, they may have been gone before we were born. But still, their influence, that role of the father, is so important. And that's not to say the role of the mother isn't, but today we're talking about father. And just how important that role is for us. We talk today about a baby who was born a father. And I want to explain that. We have been looking this Christmas season at the promise of God to us in Isaiah 9. A promise that was given hundreds of years before Bethlehem and Christ was born. Here is the promise of God in verses 2 and 3. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you. God telling us what he was going to do and and the result for us at a practical level. That promise was given to ancient Israel. But we realize that promise is still true today. As we celebrate Christmas, as we think of what has happened as a result of that baby coming in that manger, that prophecy came to us. We may have been walking in darkness, but that baby becomes a light that shines. As that baby comes to us, he increases our joy and rejoicing, and we are thankful to God for the gift of that child what God was doing and what he promised he would do. We've been looking at verse 6 of Isaiah 9 because we are told a lot about that baby in that verse. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I mentioned last week, it is fascinating to me that of all Jesus was and did, 
God chose those four aspects to single out as clearly, I, I won't say the most important, but clearly as very important things of who this baby would be and how, how he would be able to bring light into our dark worlds. How he would be able to give us hope when we've had no hope. And I think there is a linkage between these four things about this baby and why he would be able to shine light into the darkest world and to give hope where there is none. He wasn't just an ordinary baby. In the last two weeks, we've looked at how that baby was wonderful counselor and can be that for us. And last week, we looked at how that baby is, in fact, fully God himself, is mighty God. And today, we look at that third phrase describing that baby. He is everlasting father. The two center of these four phrases is interesting to me, are directly linked to Jesus being fully God. We talk about him as the son of God, and that is how most often I think all of us picture Jesus. And that is a true and accurate statement. But because Jesus is part of the Trinity, he is at the same time not only son, but he himself is fully God. 100%. We saw that last week. That's how he could be called himself, mighty God. But this week we see that he is also the father. The father come to earth. And he's described here as everlasting father. As I said when I began this sermon with some pictures of my father's, dad's pretty important. He really is. It's a powerful word for all of us. It's seldom, if ever, a neutral word. Everyone has some picture when I say the word father. Everybody has a picture. Now, we recognize today that some of those pictures may not be positive. For many, it is very positive. And yet, everyone has some emotion, some picture, something linked to father because of how powerful the role of father is. Father is parent. In that sense of father is source of who we are. At our beginning, there was father. They are directly tied to who we are and our identity. As I was searching through old photos for that, the slide I put up there, I was thinking about how much I am reflected in who I am today because of who they were how they handled life, what they did. Some of my hobbies are because they were their hobbies. All of those kinds of things, because that's part of what Father does. He shapes and affects both positive and negative. There's things I do today because Dad did. I wish I didn't, but that's how he was. And it affected me. When we talk about father, I want to talk for a minute about healthy fathers. And I've learned that I have to clarify that because there are folks today for whom father is not a positive word. But we can't give up on the concept of fatherhood. Because it's so essential and so important, even if we have to clarify what it should mean. A father is to be caring, uh, that source of love for us. That person who values us. 
I have one of my memories of my dad. It's an old, old pickup. And my folks had a, a daughter. I have a sister who was 11 years older than me, and then they had a series of miscarriages. And then I was finally born. To say I was a gifted child in their eyes would be an understatement. And I can remember on my dad's door of his pickup, it was, his name was Quentin. It was Q Connor, and he added, and son. And I always looked at that door and thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That's me. Well, whether it's a pickup door or not, part of the role of a father is to let a child know they matter. If nobody else, win or lose, whatever happens, you matter. You are important. You are valued by your dad. A dad is also a helper. Not just someone who cares, but a helper who is a resource there to help me. If I can't lift it, dad will help me lift it. If I don't know how to do it, dad will help me do it. I got a panic call from my son who's uh, in the Coast Guard doing all kinds of important stuff. And he says, dad, I got to change a car battery. And I don't want to get shocked here. Does the red one come off first or the black one? Dad's a resource. When you don't know what to do when you're in over your head, you want to have dad around. That source of wisdom, that person who brings to the table life experience. And who can say, yeah, don't do that, it'll, it'll weld your screwdriver to your car frame. Been there, done that. Also as a resource for their wisdom, their knowledge, their money, their connections, who they know but also a protector and a defender. I'm not alone. Dad will stick up for me. The beautiful thing we are told in Isaiah 9 is that when God came near, part of that was because he is our father. And that baby who came is everlasting father. He came because we are his children. You know, God had the potential. He showed this with Noah. The world gets really messed up. Do you know, God had the potential to say, we're starting over. I am erasing all this. We are reformatting the hard drive, and we're doing a reinstall. We're going to do another Garden of Eden. He could do that. Why didn't he? Because he's father. Those are his kids. We were studying in Sunday school today, 2 Samuel, and how much David cared for Absalom. Absalom did all kinds of terrible things. He even led a revolt to rip his father's throne out of his hands and become king. But David couldn't quit loving Absalom. Why? Absalom was his son. David was father. And that's how God is with us. He had to come to earth. He had to do something because we are his children. He cares for us. He values us. He wants to help us and be our defender and our protector and our resource. And if that meant leaving heaven and coming to earth, then he would do that. Because he is our everlasting father. We all know that who are parents. We care a lot about, about a lot of things. There's causes that matter to us that we'll give to. We'll volunteer. We'll get involved. There's all kinds of things that matter to us. 
But when we start talking about our kids, we go to a whole different level, don't we? Now we're talking about risking our lives. We're talking about giving up everything. It doesn't matter because they're our kids. And that's how God is with us. Everlasting Father. One of my favorite terms that's used is the waiting father. And this comes from a commentary written about the story of the prodigal son. I want you to go back in time with me for a little bit, and I want you to understand something. When Jesus came to earth, and he was going around trying to be this father to people and help them understand God as he really was, he had a real uh, hill to overcome. Because in, in, the, in the New Testament world, God had come to be very clearly seen as a very legalistic, judgmental God all about the rules. And that was what was taught in, in the synagogue. That was what was held up out of Scripture. And there was a very strong image that God is about right and wrong. If you do right, you will be blessed. If you do wrong, you will be cursed and you'll suffer. So if there's good in your life, it's because you're doing right. And if there's bad in your life, it's your own fault because you've sinned. And that's how God works. And that's why the Pharisees had no way to compute when Jesus spent time with sinners. Because in their eyes, that's not how God was. But Jesus knew better. Jesus was everlasting Father. He knew how the Father felt about even those sinners. And so one night, he's eating dinner with a whole bunch of sinners. And the Pharisees, they won't even walk in the house because they don't associate with those people, but they're on the outside complaining. And in Luke 15, we are told three parables that Jesus told directly as a result of that incident. Because he wanted people to see how God really is towards them, even if they do wrong. And he tells about three things that are lost. A lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And it's in that third parable. We usually call it the prodigal son. The commentary described it as the waiting father. Because you see, in many ways, that parable was not as much about the son as it was about the father. And how God really feels about us. It's exactly why Isaiah 9-6 says this baby is everlasting father. That father loves that son, even though the son has rejected him, taken his inheritance, and gone off and has done everything wrong that the father told him, don't ever do this. And the results are exactly what the father knew would happen. The son has messed up his whole life. Now the older brother, as all good older brothers are, is just ready to hammer him. You know, that younger son was always a screw-up. And he's just further confirmed that. And the father says, no, you don't understand. He's my son. And he was lost. And now he's found. It doesn't matter what he did. It only matters that he's my son. And he's back. We're going to have a party. Jesus told that parable because he says, that's how God is. 
You're focused on the rules. God's focused on his children. And that's why I'm not surprised in Isaiah 9, 6, when God chooses four things to focus on about this baby. One of those four is he is everlasting father. He is God come down to save his children. He is the father who cares, the father who has come to defend and save and protect and help and get back. That's who this baby was. And that's why he came. But there's one other thing about this father. And that is that he's a father who won't go away. He's described as everlasting father. Now when we read that, usually we jump to the fact that he's eternal. Well, of course, he's eternal. He's God. And we've got that all down in our theology. He is without beginning and he's without end. And those are true statements. Psalm 90. Verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Everlasting Father. He's always been here. And he always will be. And that's the aspect of everlasting Father I'd like to talk about today. In Isaiah 40, verse 28, we read this, Do you not know, have you not heard, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Can I put it in my words? He will not go away. He is everlasting Father. What are you afraid of? If I had you list your fears, what would be some of the things you might list? Spiders, snakes, the dark, noises at night, terrorist attack while I'm at the mega mall, the Vikings losing. Oh, no, that's You've probably had to deal with that fear. We all have our fears, don't we? They'd be different, but we all have our fears. There's a fear that I think most of us have that we might never list. And it's the fear of being abandoned. That people are going to leave me. That I will be left alone. That those people who I count on won't be there for me. And that is a very powerful fear for us. I've had to come to deal with that as a part of who I am. That father you saw with me and the bear when I was in eighth grade, he died. And then my mom died when I was 18. So my folks all left me. They abandoned me. Now, it was due to cancer, but they were gone. And I was alone. And it was not a good experience. A lot of us have that issue, that challenge, for different reasons. It's not just because your parents may die. There could be a divorce. A home could break up. Relationships that have mattered to us fail. People we counted on, institutions we counted on, weren't there for us. All of that drives us to this fear that life isn't fair. And we just try and cope with it. 
We tend to be okay. We say, well, we just have to get tough. We just have to depend on ourselves. Depend on yourself. And we say that's the solution. But you know, I think deep down inside, no one ever outgrows needing death. I don't care how tough we appear on the outside. And us guys seem to be experts in this. The truth is, deep down inside, somewhere there's that little boy who still needs dad. We long for that place we can go, that person we can count on, who will always be there, who will always value me, who will be a resource who can help me. We all need that. We don't always find it in humans. And the best human may fail us. They may leave us. They may die. But the amazing thing is, we have a dad who will never go away. Everlasting father. Not just no beginning, no end. He will always be there for us. He is that kind of father. And you see, that's part of why the baby came. To be for us, to give to us that everlasting Father who loves us, who is there for us, who will always value us. Even when we're the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, it doesn't matter. We're his child. He's our Father. And he is everlasting. Everybody else may desert us. He will not. There's times we may feel like it, that he's deserted us. But I've come to learn that's all about me, not him. I may be frustrated with him. I may be angry at him. He may not be doing what I want, so I talk like he's left me. He hasn't budged. He's everlasting father. I may be further away right now. I may have an issue with him. He hasn't moved. He is everlasting Father to me and to you. And like that prodigal, as soon as I come back, guess what? He's right where he was. He's at home waiting for me to come back. He hasn't moved. He's everlasting Father. And that's part of why that baby came to offer us in flesh and blood a reality of God, the everlasting Father, who will never leave us, who is always going to be that Father for us. And that is why Isaiah would say, He will bring light into the darkest life, and He will bring joy where people thought there would never be joy again. Because the baby has come. And God, our everlasting Father, has taken on flesh for us. Our rejoicing is great. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our Father. You will never change. You will never leave us. You will never stop caring. And you became flesh and blood for us so that your fatherhood is so much more real for us 
in Jesus. We rejoice and we say thank you. We love you, our Father. In the Son's name, amen.